Hey, it's uh, Liam Kelly of the Daylight Sinners, and um, I'm here with Taylor, and we are coming out with a new single on May 9th. It's going to be pretty awesome, and the release party is at Mercy Lounge. Um, if you want to hear it, go on Spotify. Um, we're the Daylight Sinners, and then we got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, iTunes, pretty much anything else, so come check us out. It's going to be sick. Oh, but yeah, this is 70s acoustic now. cry 
Welcome to the Poptimist. Today we have uh, Liam Kelly on the show, and, uh, and his associate. What's your name again? Nita. Nita. <laughs> um, and uh, Liam is here to promote his new single that just played. Um, and uh, Liam and I met. How long ago did we meet? When did you move to town? About eight months ago. Eight months ago. We. I think I met you on your second day here, or like your third day here. Totally, man. At the country, I believe that's where we first met. Um, and we played there, and um, the next night we played at Papa T's, and we played with your uh, your current drummer, Dustin. Dustin, yeah. Yeah, and that was the first time you guys played together. Yep. We played all on the Watchtower together. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, dude, that was cool, man. It was cool. That was real fucking cool. We got some chemistry, dude. That was a good night, man. Totally. The jams, uh, have you played at a lot of the jams now? Yeah, pretty much all of them. Yeah, so it's like some some nights you go out. And everything syncs up, and other nights you go out, everything you just eat shit on. For what for whatever reason, either the chemistry's off between the bass player and the drummer, or just something's not locking in. Totally. And, and it's uh it's always nice when you have one of those nights when the music turns magical. Yeah, I think that was one of those nights, man. It was. I was super pumped about it. And yeah, it was also the first night I met my drummer, Dustin McKee, who's in the band still to this day. Shout out to Dustin and No Name Blues. Hell yeah. And yeah, that was a great night. Over at Pop Attorneys, you, you should check it out if you're new to Nashville. That's a good, that's a great first inter- introductory jam, I would say, if someone's first coming to town. Because it's like, it's a very relaxed, calm setting, very warm. Um, Papa T, that the... the guy that owns it he he's definitely like a student of music so i've gotten just to know him a little bit coming coming in and out of there and the just the the age range everybody everybody of all skill levels everybody's welcome Mm -hmm. to go and play music because that's what like the special thing that all brings us together and that's one of the things i like best about nashville is there's a lot of that here you know there is i feel a camaraderie amongst the musicians totally yeah that's exactly you always hear about like LA, everybody's so cutthroat, but Nashville's not like that at all. I feel like everybody's really got your back, and we all kind of want what's best for each other as musicians. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the code. It is because we play together. Mm-hmm. We're around each other. We're sharing this this bond, dude. And the older the older I get, and the more experience that I, that I do music, it's it's so weird how music just does have this magical quality to it. That drug-like quality is un- unexplainable. Yeah, I think music can even bring enemies together, honestly. That's true, yeah. And I think that's part of why. But, like, in any other scene I've ever been in, like, Chicago. I'm, I'm from Detroit, and I lived in Chicago for a while before I came here. And the scenes were way different. I mean, they were awesome, but there wasn't necessarily this, like, sense of camaraderie that we have here in Nashville. And... I really respect it, and I think it's an amazing thing. Yeah, so. it's very nurturing to musicians in their in their growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially like the older musicians, you know, the more experienced ones who are around, they they do kind of will take you off to the side and say, "Hey, think about this," or "Hey, try doing this." And that's one of the beautiful things you get to learn from people with who have actually been through it and have experienced it. Totally. Yeah, you say that, and the same night I met you, I met Terry Goose Downing. Oh, yeah, he's been on the podcast, too. Terry's a great oh, yeah. guy. Nice. Yeah, he just totally reminds me. He's like, 
such a great guitarist, such a great performer, and right away he just kind of like took me under his wing and supported me. And I remember that's one of my earliest memories in Nashville. And it was a really beautiful thing. So shout out to Terry. Yep. If you're listening. Shout out to Papa T's. Papa T's. The country, which is now the local. Yeah. It, dude, it's always going to be the country in my heart. Same. Yeah, it's always. And I think it is to everybody who's played there. It's always going to be Kara's house to my house. Yes. Is that by Centennial Park? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. Does somebody else own it? Yeah, I think they changed owners, um, and they changed the name from the country to the local. Do you think the local's better since it's not really country music always playing? Um, I don't know. I've only been I, there. I would agree with that. But Tuesday nights. Yeah, it's probably the local's probably more fitting. But speaking of that place, the Daylight Centers are playing there on Monday too. Oh, are you? So yeah, nice. so oh, wow. come out. Yeah. Which, what is the date for that? Uh, this Monday, I think, is April 30th. April 30th, okay. How many this would have already passed by, it goes, by the time it goes oh, up. Yeah. But it was an awesome show. It turned out well. It, no, it was a great show. If you weren't there, you really missed out. But come to the May 9th one. <laughs> May 9th for sure. And you guys are playing at Mercy? Yeah, Mercy Lounge. Dude, that's a cool place, man. Dude, Mercy Lounge is probably my favorite venue in Nashville. Really? I've got so many like memories there. Like first of all, the Rock and Roll Residency, which is like every Tuesday. It's amazing. If you're listening to this podcast, go every Tuesday. You'll never want to stop going. Like I've met some amazing artists there. They've got like guests that come up and like Steven Tyler has done it. Gene Simmons, Gene right? Gene Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. Um, but Mercy Lounge is just home to a lot of amazing acts, and it's a great spot. Great spot, man. Have you ever been? Yeah, I've been, I've been there. I saw Lee Fields and The Expressions. Oh, nice. And Alana Royale opened for them, um, which is like this soul band uh, that's based here in Nashville. It was a great show. Cool. I've been there a couple times. I've seen some other people. I just can't remember who else I've seen. Cool. But that whole thing, uh, Cannery Row, um, mm-hmm. the Cannery Ballroom, and then the High Watt. I've been to the High Watt. I haven't been to the Cannery Ballroom, but it all seems really nice. Yeah, the Cannery Ballroom is really sick. I saw, um, who did I see there? Um, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards. You ever heard of those guys? Yeah, I have heard of them. I know some of their stuff. I've never really listened to them, but they seem really musical and kind of, I don't know, like kind of metally or progish or something, but it's like really fuzzy as opposed to Walls mm-hmm. of Distortion. Yeah, honestly, if I had to like compare them to somebody, it would probably be like Pink Floyd or something. Really? They're super trippy. Yeah, check them out guys. <laughs> if you're listening, they rock. So, is Pink Floyd another band that you really like? Yeah. Definitely. What's your favorite album by them? Oh, The Dark Side of the Moon. Great fucking record. Sure. Yeah. When was the first time you heard that album? I think I was probably like six or seven years old, honestly. Because I really started getting into music when I was about five. It was around my fifth birthday. It's when I got my first guitar. And it was Elvis that I was obsessed with. And I was like, so obsessed with him. Like, literally... 
posters of them, like, I, like, fangirled so hard over Elvis, and I just wanted to play all the songs, so I was, like, walking around the house with my acoustic guitar, saying, like, yeah, ain't nothing but a hound dog, and, um, then I got into, like, Pink Floyd and Jimi Hendrix, just pretty much all the 60s and 70s guys, after them, but yeah. Were your, are your parents musical? Um, they don't really play, my dad plays guitar a little bit, um, and, uh, he's an artist, so he draws and he paints, um, and then my mom isn't musical, but, yeah, it doesn't super run in my family, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it sounds like there's a kind of a creative spark in your family. Definitely. I would say so. But, I mean... Does your mom have anything that she does like that? My mom's an accountant. Oh, really? Yeah. So she's wow. a math whiz, and she can, she can probably out-calculate anybody. Best of both worlds. Definitely. Yeah, it's like the left brain. And same, yeah, my brother is business thinking, and I'm musical thinking. Mm -hmm. So we're opposites. He's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. He's living in Michigan. And yeah, so that's my upbringing as far as music. Were you also smart in school too? Was I smart in school? Mm -hmm. Not particularly. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. Were you a bad student? Um, I would say that I was a medium student. What was your ACT score? Oh, um, I don't remember. <laughs> Spoken like a true musician. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, school was cool, but I dropped out of college, um, after freshman year to pursue music, and soon after that is when I came to Nashville, so here I am. That's, wow, that's actually okay. how I got here. I was living out in Chicago before then. And loving it, because Chicago's an awesome city. Have you ever been there? No, I've never been to Chicago. What's no. it like? It's windy, and it's large, and there's a huge building that says Trump on it now. <laughs> I mean, that's recent, but, um, which one you want to say about that? But the city's still great. Um, i say it's bigger than Nashville, and there's probably more people and, like, larger buildings and stuff, but... Yeah, the music seems sick, but, yeah. So you started playing in Chicago, and you were, you were how old? I was 18 when I moved there. So you were going full swing right away. You knew you wanted to take some cha like chances in life oh, to pursue, pursue music. Definitely. Yeah, I've always known that I was going to do that. Really? Yeah. How soon did you know? When I was five years old. <laughs> Damn, dude. That's when I decided. It just... The lightning just struck. It struck. It struck, and it was really... The reason it struck was probably Jimi Hendrix. Because I was like... I thought he was just like a god, honestly. When I was like a little kid, I was just like... I would always ask my parents, like... Do you think if I if I like, practice, I could play guitar like him? And they were always like, yeah. And I was like, hell yeah. So <laughs> I practiced my ass off and maybe one day, maybe one day I'll be able to play like him. Were you taking lessons right away? Yeah. When you were five? Yeah, I started taking lessons for a bit. And then 
I learned a lot off of like YouTube and stuff too. What a great tool technology is. Dude, right? We're so lucky to grow up in this time. It's insane. Could you imagine if like the like rock stars of the sixties and seventies had YouTube? <laughs> yeah. How good that would be. Yeah, <laughs> they would just be, be like insane. them on steroids. Yeah. Because you can learn any song. I swear, like if even if you're not a guitar player, you can pick up a guitar and learn just about any song on YouTube. It's an insane tool. Yeah. Yeah, it's always been been something that I've really been impressed with, the fact that we have all this technology right now. We have so much, not only tools to, to better ourselves, but also we have so much music history to, to pull from. The entire history of recording music is at our fingertips. And that kind of blows yeah. my mind, you know? We're able to, to listen and draw upon all this stuff. Definitely. But at the same time, I feel like in a lot of ways, it can make people lazy as far as learning how to learn a song by ear. Be correct about that too. I do like to like try and like make sure I can do that. And then I'll go back and like look at the YouTube video. Yeah. That's always been something I've been pretty like intense about. Because I think if you can learn a song really quickly by ear, then you can also be on stage and think of a melody and then play it. Mm -hmm. the, the two things are like totally symmetrical. It's like hear a song and play it, now I can like play whatever I want to play all the time. So I think that's pretty powerful. It is powerful. It's kind of uh, amazing that um, that you knew that young that that's what you wanted to to do. Well, thanks, man. I mean, you got a good head start, dude. I remember the, the first night I fucking saw you, man. It was, uh, we were playing, and I, well, that was the first first time I played with Dustin, too. When yeah. we were playing, I just, I was really impressed with what you were doing, dude. And I, thanks, man. You I were think, rocking out, too. Thanks, dude. Yeah. The whole thing was sick. It was. It was pretty dope. We played all, all along the watchtower. Yeah, we did. I remember what we did was... We started off really slow. Yep. And really, really chill. Um, and then after it got to the hours getting late part of the song, we just sped everything up. Yep. And it was kind of like the ending of Stairway to Heaven. We just kind of like rocked out for a while. Yeah. The whole place lit up, dude. It was. It was sick. It was sick, dude. It was definitely sick. When you saw um, Liam perform, did you talk to him before or after his performance? Uh, we were talking before. I remember we were talking because we knew Everyone. we were going to be playing together, yeah. And um, I remember we were just kind of there and it all seemed like we had pretty similar music interests. So it was, it was exciting. But yeah, we got to chat beforehand and we talked after. Definitely did, man. So tell me a little bit about what's happening with you, man. We're in a new house. Yeah. Everything's still unpacked. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like... There's a bunch of boxes everywhere, a bunch of stuff everywhere. I just moved into this apartment, got a new car, um, and just have been wor uh, working and going out to the jams and taking lessons now. I'm taking lessons pretty consistently. Hell yeah. From who? Um, Roy Vogt. Um, he teaches over at Belmont. I just go over there, and cool. he's he's a he's very wise man. He's a great teacher and has a lot of 
good information. He understands the base in a way that I've never seen another human being. He just that's love. Yeah, that's sick. It's like like a shaman. Like a shaman. Yeah, yeah. I feel like really experienced musicians. They have this uh, this thing about them where they understand their craft, and it's like if you understand your craft, I feel like you learn about yourself too. Totally. Music kind of re- reveals, I think, who I am. No doubt. Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to put it into words, but... Neither with the team questions. Who are you? Yeah. It's a good question. I ask myself all the time. Do you play more than one instrument? Uh, yeah, I play guitar uh, a little bit, enough to write. I can't really play drums at all. <laughs> if I practice, I could. Because you can always practice, but we're jamming. Um, no, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep chatting. Okay. Um, what was your favorite movie growing up? My favorite movie is Fight Club. Fight Club, fuck yeah, good yeah. choice. Yeah. Why? Be- because, I mean, at surface level, it's about this crazy weird Fight Club, and. Out of it comes this insane cult-like thing called Project Mayhem, and that's whatever. But there's these also these deeper underlying philosophical ideas that changed my life, literally. Like I was a different person before I saw Fight Club than I was after, and it's this weird, crazy nihilistic philosophy that, like, if you like understand the essence of it, it is so pure in the scary way and true to me. Um, not that I stand for everything that happened in a movie. I just like, it's a super interesting way of thought. So what changed when you saw it? What changed in you? Um, this idea of like how the character of Tyler Durden and his way of saying like, let the chips fall where they may. And, um, kind of whatever happens, happens. And it's this, like, sort of way of thinking in which life almost kind of unfolds. And basically, the truth is, like, life is going to unfold. Like, you can try and control it as much as you want, but everything's changing all the time. Everything's moving. And nothing stays the same. Like, we don't stay alive forever. We only live for a certain amount of time. And a chair will eventually disintegrate. And nothing's going to stay the same. So trying to control any situation at all is futile. It all ends one day. It all, and it all changes. And it all just like goes through different phases. And so the point is to just go with it and be cool with it. And kind of like enjoy the ride, I guess, in a way. So Life is short. It is short. you got to experience it while you can. That's what I feel. Yeah. (laughs) Another one of my favorite movies. All right, that's second. That comes with Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Another classic. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you ever read the book Fight Club? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you a Chuck Palahniuk fan? That's the only book I read by him. I think you'd be a really big fan of him if you if you read his other stuff. Oh yeah. He's a great fucking writer. Yeah, he wrote this one book. Actually, I might I might have one that you can borrow. He wrote Hell this yeah. uh, book called Snuff, and it's about uh, it's about this 
lady who is trying to set a gangbang record, and her plan is to die at the end of it, to die while they're filming this gangbang. She wants to, to die on film. That's intense. Yeah. And if you look at, at the at the cover, or the, the inner jacket here, it's like all these different sex positions and shit. That's, yeah, dude, that's, that's an interesting book. I always thought it would be interesting. I think this would make a great Broadway musical. I'll have to read it and I'll let you know. Yeah. My opinion. Yeah, but, but Chuck Palahniuk, he's a really interesting guy. He has a lot of those nihilistic themes in his, uh, in his work. A must-have movie for every discerning collector of things erotic. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's called Snuff after, like, the thing, the snuff films, people getting killed on film. Damn. Yeah, so it's really, uh, really just bizarre. But he specializes in the bizarre. I'm sure you, you saw that in Fight Club and read it in the book. Like, Definitely, man. He's just very uh, macabre in some ways. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, I'd like to read more books by him for sure um, to kind of gather more well-rounded opinion, but I for sure think that he definitely thinks his writing through, and I think that he's got a lot of interesting, like, points of view and ways of looking at the world, so I definitely, that's why I like, I like books that kind of can shift your perspective, because maybe the author has gone through something that just has totally given him a different lens, and I think that, like, the more lenses you can see the world from the closer you can get to experiencing reality for what it is through experience you gain perspective and through time mm -hmm. has movies ever influenced your guitar playing um influenced yeah probably it's probably like influenced my attitudes which in turn would influence the types of music I listen to and, cause, yeah, I was, I was more into, like, the Beatles and stuff before Fight Club, probably, like, more happier stuff, which I still am, but I noticed, probably after Fight Club, I got into more Guns N' Roses and louder stuff, so it's like, it probably yeah. did, like, totally shift, like, that edge. Came out. I probably got, like, way louder on guitar, too, after that. Visually, when you watch guitar players play... Does that ever, like, influence your guitar playing when you perform live? Totally. No doubt. Of course. I love watching great guitarists play. There's something about seeing what they're doing. It's, it's much more powerful than just hearing it. Like, even down to, like, the facial expressions and... Bring it to life. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Some of them, the really great artists, I mean, are that because they're able to capture this emotion and act it out. I mean, they're really like actors. Musicians are really actors because you have to bring yourself back to the moment you were in when you wrote the song. Like, say, I wrote this song when I was heartbroken because I, like, got dumped or something. And I was, like, crying and just, like super heartbroken and I write this beautiful song well then every time I get on stage and perform that song I have to literally take myself back to that moment and like be sad again 
Absolutely. Like, and I think the same techniques apply for like um, acting. What, what do they call it? Like method acting, when you have to close your eyes and you know all about method acting, right? So you have to like close your eyes and pretend like a feather is scraping across and like or whatever. Like put yourself in the moment. And you hear about a lot of actors and actresses. Um, what's an example? I, I can't think about it. I've heard a lot of stories about like actors and actresses that will like play in a movie of this like super depressed character or this crazy character. Heath Ledger did that with the Joker. Yeah, and then couldn't go back afterwards. Yeah. Because they got so into it. But that's what acting is. It's bringing this emotion that you're not actually feeling. It's like conjuring up this emotion inside you. And it's the same, like Jimi Hendrix, when he's like doing all this, this stuff on the guitar, it's like he's bringing himself into this world where he's feeling this anger, this pent up thing. Um, like, if Eric Clapton performs Tears in Heaven, I'm sure he just like Dude, gets himself into that's a place. Fucking a heavy song. And, and you can hear it in his voice. He's like, almost in tears every time he performs, like, his voice is, like, wavering, because it's just, like, just, he knows, he's, like, he's, he's bringing himself into that place, and that's a scary place, and that's why being an artist is a scary thing, I think, sometimes, because you're, you're, the point of being an artist, in every way of an artist, whether that be drawing, painting, music, acting, dancing, the point of it is exposing yourself to emotions that are sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant, and being able to expose other people and allowing them to maybe get through what they're getting through because they can kind of something they can you as latch they on to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, real sees real. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And I think that's uh, just as true today. You know, there's I think a lot of artists uh, out there that are that are maybe doing it for the wrong reason sometimes and I think every now and then when you see an artist today like uh like King Gizzard right that that was her name King mm -hmm. um someone King like Gizzard that, and the Lizard Wizards yeah there's something that that's like the authenticness is something that that translates and I think the authenticness always wins out because there's gonna always be something that is made to sell with music. That's just the way it is. Even what we're trying to do, we want, we're hoping people can buy it. That way we can express ourselves and also eat, mm -hmm. you know, accomplish those two things. So I don't know what my point was. I'm stoning. I'm rambling now. Yeah. I think you're trying to say that like some people become a little bit fake because they're chasing the money a little bit too much. Yes. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, it is. It is. And you, and you know what? It's all a part of the, the process, I feel like. Everybody, every piece of the pie, every piece of this puzzle is needed in order for all of us to be able to, to do what we do. And that's what I kind of like about music, you know, every, every sector, you know, like, for example, like, there, there are people that go out to, to play, like, on the, at some of the jams, and it's just like, they finally get to go play, you know, and. I don't know, it's just a wide variety. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Do you ever give advice to like newcomers that perform in Nashville? Um, 
I don't know if necessarily advice is the right word. I, I think the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is so people could listen to it. People like us that are trying to do this. And it can be uh, it can be hard to do this. As you know, you have to make a lot of fucking sacrifices just to be able to play the music. So hopefully that's what this podcast is kind of someone maybe new moving to town or they're trying to do some kind of music or maybe something creative. It's a, uh, you got to put in your 10,000 hours. The grind, the grind never stops. I, I don't ever think I'm ever going to feel like I've paid my dues. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel, feel like I can't ever rest on my laurels or anything like that. It's like mm-hmm. always got to be moving forward. Always got to be chipping away and trying to improve and just do whatever Absolutely. I'm doing better. You know, music is a craft. And is, when I first moved to town, um, I realized how freaking good everybody was and I realized I needed to fucking practice and get to yeah. work. <laughs> Inspired to be better. Yeah. What's and, your... Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> so, like, what's your goal with Daylight Centers and, like, the future? Like, what's your, what's your dream with that band? My goal is to be able to provide to people what, um, maybe Fight Club or maybe some of my favorite songs provided to me, which is, like, everything. I mean, I can't even say enough about what art's done for me. Like, it literally has kept me going through whatever, um... I would say music is probably the most powerful thing on the planet, and when done properly, it can change lives. It can literally maybe take somebody who is not seeing a way out of their situation, somebody who's just had so much emotions that were just terrible, and they're feeling so down and out, they can hear a song and just suddenly realize, just like connect with it, and just like feel this higher power, which I think exists, like, the higher power, which is happiness, that, like, is abundant in the universe, I feel like music is a connection to that, so, I feel like my goal is to do that with, if not just one person, hopefully more, hopefully as many people as I can, that I can just touch with my music, like, I literally just want people to feel that to feel like what I felt, and that's pretty much all I can say. What's like the best compliment you've ever gotten from somebody when they heard your music? Um, that my hair looks like Robert Plant's hair. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I don't know, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, maybe something like, um, that... Maybe they 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 even worried that rock was dead or something, and Aww. hearing my guitar riffs made them reminded them of Woodstock or something like that. Reminded them of good music, or whatever, something like that. It's, yeah, that's what's uh what's powerful about music. Yeah. So you got any uh, funny gig stories? Anytime you just uh, maybe. Or learning how to play or something like that and you ate shit or 
you got shocked by a microphone cable or something like that? Um, I have gotten shocked by a microphone cable. One time I was playing a little show and my dog was there and I was singing in the mic and I was like super young. I was like probably like eight or nine or something. And I was singing and playing and my dog ran up and like ran into the microphone and it smashed into my face while I was singing. And then I kept singing, like, blood starts, like, trickling down. It just, like, smashed into my face. It's like, there's blood everywhere. That was rock and roll. I guess. <laughs> but it was hilarious. And there's a video of it somewhere. Really? Yeah. It's pretty Oh, funny. shit. <laughs> Everyone started laughing at me. And it was pretty Did you trooper thing. through it? Yeah, I think, and then I think the microphone fell over, and I had to, like, go pick it up or something. I don't remember. I have to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't really think of any super funny moments off the top of my head. I think that's pretty hysterical. Have you ever had a moment where, like, your guitar strap just came off of you while you're performing? Yeah. Once or twice. <laughs> what did you do in that situation? Like, Stop playing? Almost every show, maybe. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what do I do when that? You, you, no, you get pretty you, wild up there, dude. You can never stop playing. That's the cardinal rule. You, that's what they told me when I just started. It's like, don't stop. Like, I don't care if a tornado comes and runs this entire place to the ground. Like, you keep rocking out. Who, uh, who told you that? Um, I went to this rock and roll band camp thing when I was young, who my guitar teacher was one of the, the leaders of the band camp. His name is Mike Smugvitz. Mike, if you ever listen to this, you're the man. And um, I don't think Mike told me. I think um, either Dana or Chuck. Um, Chuck Bartels, who's an amazing bassist in Detroit. Um, he, does he play with Sturgill Simpson now? He does now, yeah. He does. He's a great bass player. He's so great. Back at the time, he was playing with Thornetta Davis. And, um, yeah, he's a homie. He's awesome. He's a great dude. Super humble. And they told you to never stop playing. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, that's, that was the lesson for the day. It was like, don't stop playing. I don't care what happens. I don't care if your amp catches on fire. You just keep playing until, until, like, there's no sound coming out. That's the card I wrote. And I think that's always stuck with me. So from that point on, I've never stopped playing in a Roman song. I don't think ever. I don't think I've ever stopped and restarted the song since then. Right it right into the song. It's in the back, back of my head. It's just ingrained in there. Don't stop playing. That's good. How, how old were you when you were doing that? When they I was probably that? like nine or something. That's great to be able to play with skilled players is that at that young of an age. Yeah. I was able to have that too at the music school that I played. I played at something similar. It was called oh, yeah. the Big Coast School of Music um, up in Maine, where I'm from. And the teacher, he rode me really hard, like, all the time about everything. Like, he would just not let loose. He's like, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, he expected <clears throat> my binder to be kept, everything to be organized. I never had it organized. But he was just like, he really harped on, on the smallest details and everything that you needed to have prepared in order to be able to, the, the tools for your job, that's what he always talked about. You got to have the tools for your job. Mm -hmm. You got to be prepared. You got to show up to rehearsal 
prepared, you gotta know the songs, all that good stuff. Just true to a certain degree. I've never been the most prepared person. <laughs> In fact, the people who have known me my whole life would probably say that I'm one of the least prepared people on the entire planet. So, usually when teachers have told that to me, I've... <laughs> but, um... I mean, like, in general, um, my teacher's pretty laid back, but, like, I think that's it's totally true, especially if you want to be able to show up at a gig and have people hire you back. You better be on time. You better know your stuff. You better have your binder with all your folders and whatever you need. Um, but... Because you won't get a call back if you don't. Oh, hell no. Especially in a city like this. In a city like this, if you do something like that, not only will you not get called back, but pretty soon the entire city will know about the fact that you did that. Yep. Because Nashville is just so connected. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. Nita, I appreciate you coming on. Any final thoughts? No, man. Oh, yeah, May 9th. <laughs> May 9th. At the Mercy Lounge. <laughs> May 9th at the Mercy Lounge. Thank you very much for coming on.